Hey, thank you everyone for joining us online. We're uh, very happy that you're with us this weekend for our services. We wanna say thank you to Pastor John for the privilege and honor of speaking this weekend. Very excited about what I'd like to share, but I would like to invite you to come to the next live service we'll be having. Uh, it's been wonderful, amazing services. So if you're comfortable coming, come join us. We're taking all the precautions. Every week more and more are coming back and we understand that, but come and join us for that. We're in a series this summer called The Life You've Always Wanted. Last weekend, Pastor John really dealt with modern issues that we're dealing with in a global sense. Today, I'm gonna to really approach this from a more individual aspect of the life that you've always wanted. I think it's a fascinating topic, by the way. I asked several people if they've ever experienced in their lifetime the life that they've wanted. I wanna share some of those stories of the people that I've talked to. I have a good friend, Pat. And I asked him, and he said, yeah, he experienced that several years ago. And I asked all these people, what are the characteristics of the life that you've always wanted? And it came down for Pat this sense. He didn't graduate from high school, and uh, nobody ever believed that he'd ever make anything out of his life. He got involved in a business, uh, bought a business, started it, built it from uh, very little. And there was a point in his life where he said, this is amazing. I've accomplished more than anybody, myself included, could ever believe possible. He also said that that was a time in his life where he just had this moment a season of independence. He could do what he wanted. He had the money to do what he wanted and all the ability of the making those kind of choices, the idea of independence. We have a discussion group that meets every week that talks about the messages. And I ask all of them, I said, what is it in your life? Have you ever had that time or that season? Interesting, many of them said that their life was a contrast of, of good on one hand at that time of their life, but other stuff that was going on, and they never really came together with everything being good at that time. And a lot of that surprised me, but things would be happening in their life that could be almost on the urge. Maybe their marriage is being good, but their business or their work or their income was suffering or health or something like that. I have a good friend, Tom. I asked him, and he gave me some great answers. I want to read some of those. He said when he was young, he had a perspective of life. And he felt like he knew what he wanted. He was on that path. He was really moving forward in the world. And he came to the place where he said, I didn't like who I was. And secondly, how miserable some of the people were there that had hit the same goals that I had. Began to see that. And so he began to see God's plan and desire for his life. And he said he learned to surrender to God's will. And he got a deeper understanding of really what made him happy and what gave him the life that he wanted to live. And he see where his plan needed to be altered. He gives this advice. I think it's good for this message. He said, there's two lessons in life. You cannot get what you do not ask for. But second, be careful what you ask for, you might get it. I thought that was very good. I asked our teaching team as we met this week, and uh, I'll share their answers. Daniel said this. He said, right now, I'm living the life I've always wanted. And I said, Daniel, why is that? What makes this the life you've always wanted? He said, I've got a great wife. My marriage is good. I've got wonderful little kids. We're enjoying that time with them. I've got a dream job. I've got something I'm committed to all of my life at JFC. And I've got a good golf game. But most important, he said this, I'm doing what God created me to do. I asked Kate. Kate had a lot of interesting answers and wisdom. For her, she said, uh, the life she always wanted is kind of a moving target. She said, I love my life right now. I love being a mom. I love being a part of JFC and what's going on there. 
but I have more things in my life I want to accomplish. I have other dreams and other ideas and things that I want to enjoy in life. So for her, she said, it isn't a life that I wanted now, per se, she's enjoying it, but a life that she sees greater things to happen. She's very happy at her present life, but she shared something very important. And I know we have a lot of younger people, millennials and those in our audience here in listening online. And she said this, it was helpful for me to understand this. She said, Terry, younger people look at life differently. She said, it's more about being present in the moment and life that we want to live isn't a distant goal. And I thought that was very good advice. Jake said, this is stupid, and he didn't want to answer. No, that's not true. He made this comment. He said he has spent time in his life living the life he wanted, but then he spent a lot of time living the life that he didn't want. There's a lot in that answer because many of you could probably identify. So much of the life we want has to do with our security or our success or our health or good relationships. And then I talked with the Murleys, our missions pastor, they had a beautiful, beautiful story that they shared with me. I wish you had more time to share of it, but uh, in college, they had sensed a call to ministry, but right out of college, he got a great job and began to strive in his industry, uh, a medical industry, and he was very successful. One time was making seven-figure income, living the lifestyle that all of us here would envy. He had it all, comfort, security. He was given honor and recognition in his uh, field, but deep down, he came to the place where he said, this doesn't feel like I thought it would feel. It doesn't really ring the bell that I thought it would. I felt like in college I had a calling and a sense of something for my life different than this. All that success was there and it took him in a different direction. But he thought, started feeling something needs to change. God provided that change. JFC was a part of that. But it would require them stepping out with a whole lot of trust and belief that God would take care and made a change. And they took the risk. And they were obedient. And it led them to doing what they're doing here now. And both uh, Jonathan and Rebecca said, we were born to do this. We are living this life we want. And that didn't say that everything about life is good. But there's just this place in life that we feel and know, this is the life I wanted. They enjoy their call. They enjoy using the gifts that God has given them. They enjoy making an impact around the world and being a part of a JFC ministry. My wife, Nancy, I asked her this question. There was a season in her life, a time when she came to know Christ and she was in this marriage and it was going good and God was doing good things and she was involved in ministry and everything about that life was good. And then there was betrayal in her marriage and a marriage was dissolved and horrible things happened. She was thrust back into the world to make a way with her daughter. It was a very difficult time. And that season of having that life was no longer there. Some of you know my story. I'll share a little of that. Uh, I've had a wonderful life. I don't have any complaints. It wasn't always easy. Uh, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, there wasn't a lot of income. There wasn't a lot of security. But the trust in God was always there. And God always provided and God always showed a way. And we built our life doing that. And early on, my marriage wasn't very good. There were several years where we just couldn't get along. And God did a miracle. He changed my heart. He changed my life. And I began to look at my wife and marriage differently from a biblical perspective. And in doing that, he changed our marriage. And it was a good marriage. But I have to tell you, years ago, probably about seven or eight years ago, 
I would tell you I was living the life I've always wanted. Everything about my life was good. As many of our staff would say, working and being a part of GFC, our pastor makes this a wonderful place to work. We loved being here. We loved the ministry. We loved the people of GFC. All of those relationships were wonderful. Marriage was as good as I think it could ever be. Our children and grandchildren were a wonderful part of our life. We had comfort. We had security. We had all those things that people would identify as the life you've always wanted. But I want to tell you something. Those were good, and many people get those, but the thing that mattered the most, there was this time and season in my life where God's love and grace was such a river flowing every day in my life. And as I met with God every morning in my time of devotion, the word came alive and I would weep and I would rejoice. And my time of worship was the most amazing presence of God. And I was just in that season where I just even couldn't describe to you today. That was the life I've always wanted. Little did we know, as life happens, things begin to change. Brenda began to get sick, and eventually we found out and diagnosed cancer, and most of you know she passed away. Now, for everyone who answered this question, this was a common statement. If I have lived the life I wanted, it was only for a brief moment, if at all. You know what? Let's be honest. Isn't that a bummer? Isn't that cruddy? Just to think that we could get to that life we want and enjoy that season and have that amazing time and then to know, to know that it probably won't last. One of our teaching teams said this comment, the life you want may come, but it's only for a season. So how you deal with your life in other seasons is going to be important. So what's your story? Where are you? Are you living the life you've wanted? Well, this message is for you today, and that's where our focus will be. So I want to try to answer a couple questions. How can I live the life I've always wanted? What do I need to do to see that happen? And then if that doesn't happen, or if I'm in that season where I've lost that life I've wanted, what do we do with that? So what can I do to live the life I always wanted? You know, this is really an important part to understand this. So often we see, especially in Christian circles and Christian books and authors, this idea of the life that we've always wanted has follow these 10 steps or do this formula and you're going to have the life you've always wanted. I want to tell you, there isn't a recipe. There isn't a recipe. But there are things and principles that have to happen in our life for us to truly experience the life that we've wanted. So I want to answer three important questions to get you there. And the first is this. I think this is one of the most important things that you need to identify and reckon with in your life. And that's this. Who is God? Who is God? I want to tell you who I think God is. We could have theologians spend the next five hours. Volumes of books have been written. And I want to answer that question from a theological standpoint. I don't want to even answer it from a philosophical standpoint. We can have debates about that. But I want to tell you who is God. Who I know God to be. I know God to be the creator of the galaxies. When I see the beauty of our world we live in and we see all the pictures that they're able to take now of galaxies after galaxies, God is the creator of those worlds. That's God. He's that big. But in the infinite smallness of life, he's created those tiny things that even a microscope, even our technology can't see. And we're just learning more and more. That is the God creator. He's a God of justice. He's a God of holiness. He's a God who is set apart, who's so far beyond, and sometimes we don't understand the grievance of our sin and the failings of our life and how that grieves God and how it could come out in anger, but the other part of God is his love. God is a God of love. 
I don't know if we can capture that. I don't know if in our human ability of love and our failings in love and our failings in relationship, we can understand the purity and the greatness and the beauty of God's love and how much he loves you and cares for you and wants a relationship with you. I don't know if you can capture that. But if you just get a little bit of that today and understand how much God loves you, you're going to understand more about how to live that life that you've always wanted. Who is God? He's a God that wants a relationship with you. Many of you have made a commitment to have that relationship with God. Some of you may have not. Until you have that relationship with God, you can accomplish great things. You can have success. You can have comfort. You can have all the great things that we think are important in life. But until that hole in your heart, until that emptiness is met with God's relationship with you, you will not have that. Ephesians 3.20. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Who is God? God is a God who has taken you and loved you and wanted you to be a part of his family. And through his power, through his might, he is able to give you that life that you've always wanted. And again, I want to be careful here. Sometimes in our American modern Christianity, we've painted this picture of this life. I know people now that are living the life they've wanted, but it's a life that many of us probably wouldn't choose. My friend Larry in Peru, I love him. He's a brother, and I love what he's doing there. With this pandemic, they're feeding 1,000 people a day. They're quarantined. These people have no income, have no jobs, and Larry goes out every day and finds ways to feed 1,000 people. I don't know if I could do that. I kind of like the life I've given, but if you ask Larry, he'd say he loves what he's doing. Is there a struggle with it? Yes, there's always going to be some form of struggle, but he loves the life that he's doing. Now, in all of my life, and when those that I spoke with, and here's a very important part of living the life you've wanted, at some point, there has to be a God encounter. There has to be something that happens in your life where you recognize who God is. And when that happens, it changes you. It changes you in worship. It changes you in devotion. It changes you in relationships to have that kind of thing happen in your life. And it's happened in my life on many occasions. Very deep changes that have taken place and transformation because of that. So what's important today is you understand that this God Almighty of holiness, of love, of relationship wants to invite you in according to this scripture to live through his power at work in you an amazing life to accomplish infinitely more than you could ask or think. The second important question you need to ask is who am I? Who am I? And the third is what am I here for? I want to talk about those Ephesians tells us in 2.10, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. I would venture to say many believers, many people that have come to know the salvation of Jesus Christ, many people that have experienced his love and grace really aren't aware of this. They may do the church thing. They may read the Bible. They may pray. They may do all those things, but they've never experienced the fullness of what it means to do all the good that God has planned to do through us and to live our lives doing. That's an amazing thing. Truthfully, in 45 years of full-time ministry with many, many, many church people, 
I'm not sure that many of the people I've met over the years can even answer those two questions. I've asked those questions in our group and with other groups and different people in the church here. And there's just way too many followers of Jesus that don't know the answer. I know there are people here that could answer that and said, I know who God made me to be. I know what I'm here to do. And when you find that, it changes everything about your life of being in that place of the life that you want to live. You see, if you know who you are, if you know what you're here for, everything about the focus of your life will change. God didn't make you to be a millionaire. God didn't make you to be million, to make millions. God may have given you the ability and the resources to have those things. But in the plan of God, what do you do with those things? What do you do with those resources? We all have resources. What are you going to do with what you've got? And it begins with who you are. It begins with the gifts and the talents and the temperaments and the personality. Out of all the billions of people on this earth, no one is alike. People may look alike. They may have different, similar personalities or different personalities. But the reality is, is God made you and you're different. I think that's okay. We strive so much. And the issue here is an identity issue. And we strive so much to be like somebody else. Media and other ways, even in church world, we try to be like people that we love and admire instead of being who we are. And you will never, ever have the life you wanted being someone you're not. That's the reality of that truth. And to know that you're here for a purpose. It's never too late. I, I, I remember it was, I was 50 years old. I was in Virginia just before coming here to JFC. I was working on staff there, working on all sorts of hats that I wore there, uh, groups, uh, worked on the creative team, had all sorts of things. And we were having a meeting and the pastor there, uh, I'm on the whiteboard and we're diagramming some thoughts and some ideas. And out of the blue, he stops and said, Terry, what do you love doing? And it was one of those moments where, like they say in a car crash, your life flashes before your eyes. It was not a crash, but I looked back and in an instant, I saw all of the years of my life as a teenager, my life in ministry, and I saw the things that God had given me and the abilities to do. And all of a sudden, I had such clarity, and I said to him, you know what I love? I love connecting with people. I love creating. And something happened that day where I was doing those things for many years, but having the clarity of that allowed me to say no to many other things that I was trying to be. Those that know me know I'll never be administrative or organizational. Those aren't my things. That's why I have people like my great admin Cindy and other great friends that are surrounding me and do those things. But I'm gonna promise you this. It isn't a fake thing. It isn't a pastor thing. I love people. I care about your story. I care about your life. And when I sit with you, I am totally engaged with the life that you're living. And I care about that. And I pray about that. And I invest in that. God made me to love and connect people. That's who I am. He made me to create. And those roles have changed over the years. I remember as a teenager, my good friend Greg Surratt and I, we grew up together He's a pastor of a great church in South Carolina, Seacoast Church. We were the youth leaders at 15 years old. We had an adult sponsor come in to make sure we weren't doing drugs or anything weird, but we had a great youth group. And Greg and I, we would collaborate. We would design a youth service. And God was already at work in those areas of creativity and connection in my life at 15. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're listening to this message. Maybe you're a part and you're hearing this. 
Take a look at the things that you're good at and that you love doing. That's a part of who you are. And that will lead you to an understanding of what you need to be doing. So throughout all those years of ministry, I could see and understand these are the things. But at 50 years old, with the flashback moment, I began to say, okay, I need to really let this be my lane to run in. And from then on, it's just been filled with such wonder. And that's what led to me being at that point where I was in that zone in my life where I knew this is the life I've always wanted. The ministry aspects were very good for that. So I want to say to you today, maybe you're the older generation. It's never too late. Have a conversation with people that know you. Pray to God. Say, God, show me and let me see. Some of you have great skills in business. We have a great group, Masterworks, that meets and does the Zoom thing. And when we can meet, we'll be meeting. There are so many amazing people of business that are using their gifts and talents for God's kingdom. They're allowing the business platform to be the place where they shine for Jesus. Many of us here on our staff, we shine for Jesus. We equip saints for ministry. We lead in worship. We develop groups. We do all those things, all right, within the context of a church. But many of you in the business world, in the working world, have a capacity to shine in ways that we can't. So we see all of these people finding these things going on in their life. But I want to say, if you're older, if you're older and you're sitting there thinking, there's no purpose for me anymore, I just need to ride the wave out to the sunsets. Foolishness. Don't believe that. Don't let the enemy steal from you the best years of your wisdom and experience. I know many millennials that have come to me and said, Terry, is there anybody that could be someone that could mentor me? Is there anybody that could help me understand more about life? There are places for you. There are opportunities for you. It's never too late. There's a couple statements God gave me as it relates to this message because these are statements that I've said. Probably you're saying too. We say, I'm inadequate. I'm not enough. I don't know who, what I'm here for. God says, I'll be with you. Do you understand how important that is? For God to say, I've called you, I've made you, here's the good works I want you to do. Bye-bye, uh, go, you're on your own. Doesn't happen that way. Every day, I have the opportunity for the presence and the word and the relationships that I have in this world to help me to know these things of God. He says, I will be with you. We say it's impossible. Maybe in you there's this dream. Maybe in there, there was a dream that you had at one time and you're thinking, no, it's impossible. Everything fell apart. The wheels fell off. It's not gonna happen. Well, I'm gonna tell you, we say it's impossible. He says, with me, all things are possible. The reality is, is I don't think people believe that. I don't think Christians believe that because you're so stuck in the belief that it cannot happen that God can't work through you and do that. So I want to give you one little secret, though, to live in the life you've always wanted. This is an important truth, and that's this. Gratitude is the heart of the life you've wanted. I've never met anybody who was just ungrateful about their life that ever could say, this is the life I've wanted. And the reason is, is they're looking at all the crud, all the stuff, all the bad things that have happened, and they focus so on that that they've missed the wonder of God's love and goodness in their life. Gratitude. I can tell you, through the rough seasons, through the good seasons, having that gratitude has been such an important part of my mindset to keep me right with God. Because when people get angry and disappointed in God, they go down a path It's a dark path. Maybe you're there today. Maybe the Lord wants to free you. Maybe today, again, you should hope again. But you're going to have to start with gratitude. 
We sang beautiful songs of worship today. We've sang songs that demonstrate how amazing God is. And having a chance to just worship with our team and to experience that and to again express my gratitude for God's goodness. Someone would look at a life maybe like mine and said, you've had it easy. Maybe. I've lost a grandbaby at a newborn that was born. I watched my daughter and my son-in-law, my wife, grieve over the loss of a beautiful newborn. I lost my wife. I saw the sadness of my children and my friends and the loss that took there. There's been things happen, yeah. But you know what? In the middle of that, I've got to tell you, there's a grateful heart. Out of all of that brokenness, out of all of that ashes, God brought a new dream, a new life, a new wife. That rhymed. So here's the reality. <clears throat> because I believe that many of you, because according to all my interviews with people, many people have never lived the life they've wanted. If so, it's been for a short season. So a very important question is this. What to do when you don't get that life? So let me just tell you. Hopefully you're in that good season. Hopefully you're experiencing the life you've wanted. But I've got to give you some bad news. Reality is, it may change. You may get the life that you don't want. And if you're in that not good season, I'm going to tell you, that will end too. Life just has those seasons. And don't give up hope and don't quit. It will come around. But again, it starts with that gratitude and some other things I want to share with you. You see, there have been times in my life where what I felt was disappointment. I felt some darkness. I felt some grief. I felt some sadness. All right? I don't know about you. Sometimes people just get stuck. I've talked to people in church for years. They're stuck. Something happened in their life. They lost confidence in God, and they just got stuck there, and they've never moved past that. And they lived in the sadness of that and the darkness of that. And it causes people to be frustrated. I've seen people angry, angry at God, angry at the church because of things that's happened in their life. I hate it, but I see people crushed with hurt and pain. I see people give up all the time. Again, maybe you're here listening to this. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've given up. Maybe you don't have a confidence in God. I want to tell you, you need to move past that. And here's how. It starts with surrendering to God. Because in our world, we think we can make it happen. We hear all these things about success. And I did this and I did this. Let me tell you, the experience I had of the life I wanted honestly was very little what I did. But I did surrender to God. I did walk in obedience. And because of that, there was the fruit of his spirit that was at work in my life. And I don't know about you as a parent. I love blessing my kids. I love it when they're grateful. I love it when they're happy. I love those things. And God, who's a greater father than any of us would ever be, would say, I love to see my children enjoy my blessings. I love to see my children happy. But again, as a parent, sometimes stuff happens with our kids. Sometimes things outside of our control happens. And what do we do? We love them. We encourage them. We are there for them. But sometimes we as parents have to make the decision to protect our kids. And sometimes maybe God makes a decision to protect you. Maybe that was something that you didn't like or you didn't enjoy or didn't feel good about. But in this surrender to God, it says, Lord, I can't do this. I can't make it the life I've wanted. I need you. I need the God of greatness and creativity. I need the God of love. I need the God of holiness to come into my life and to make things right. And then it requires your obedience. God, show me the life. Help me to get back on track. Make that your prayer to what you know is right. 
I know this passage of scripture is used in various applications, but I want to share it today. Romans 12, 2, one of the most powerful scriptures, I think, in the word of God, because in here is such wisdom for how to live your life. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Even in church, we try to emulate things of this world to create success or an image. But the Bible says, do not do that. Don't copy these customs. Don't copy the mindset. Don't copy the belief of this world. But let God, let an amazing, good God transform you into a new person by the way you think. That's the key. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but man, I can call that the life I've always wanted. That is the zone that I want to live. I want to have a life that is good and pleasing and perfect, but it's not going to happen in my abilities or in my hands. It's going to happen in this place where we see God and understand God in that. Quit copying the behavior and the customs and the mindset and the thinking of this world. Quit trying to do all these things to make your life right. Walk in a new way of thinking, and that's going to be about how you think about God how you think about yourself. There's an issue there of identity that I see as an issue in a lot of people's lives. They get their identity twisted and they can't figure life out because that twist in their identity keeps them from that. So I want to ask you something. Do we even expect people to be transformed? I'm going to tell you this at JFC. I know our pastor believes that people's lives can be changed. I know he preaches that. I know our staff believes that. I know we live that. I believe that. I believe today as a part of this message, if you will come to God and say, God, my life, it isn't what I want it to be. If you will come to God and pray, Lord, help me change my way of thinking according to Romans 12 too. Let me begin to see you in the light that I should. Let me begin to see me in the light that you see me in and begin to have a different life as a result of that. I'm just kind of frustrated that so many church people accept the fact that, meh, not much change. Not much changes in church. I know this. I know the heart of our pastor. I know the heart of our staff. I know the heart of the people of JFC want to experience the transformation of God's power. We want that. Amen? Isn't that what we want? Here's the truth. When you read of what Jesus did when he was on this earth, when you read of what he did when he left this earth and who he sent to help us, the Holy Spirit, let me tell you, Jesus' life and the Holy Spirit at work in people, lives were changed. Things happened. Transformation happened. Miracles happened. Powerful things in changing lives happened. I want to believe in that God. I want to believe in that experience. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, they believed God would change you. They believed miracles would happen. They believed transformation would happen. You see, sometimes our religion, our Christianity, works on the outside behavior. Do this and you'll be a Christian. I'm not so sure that's good advice. I think God wants to change our hearts, our beliefs, and our behavior will follow that. And if you're frustrated because you're trying to be a good Christian, you failed at being a good Christian, start inward and let God work outward. You'll become more like Jesus quicker than you can imagine. You see, our world today in Christian world, it's about being an informed person. Some people I know read the Bible, but they're not any different. I can tell you stories of people I've met in the church that were just mean, nasty, grumpy people, and they'd read the Bible two hours a day. 
And I kept thinking, why isn't it getting through? Because their goal wasn't a relationship with God. Their goal wasn't a belief in transformation. Their goal was to get knowledge. And they had all sorts of knowledge, much like the Pharisees we read of in the Bible. Had a lot of knowledge, but a lot of yuck in their life. Sometimes we have church that teaches be conformed, and it's all that outward behavior. All right, what happens there? We become religious. I can tell you, many of you listening do not like religious people. As a matter of fact, I'm not so sure I like religious people either, just being honest. When I pastor in South Carolina, our ad in the yellow pages, some of you remember those, was when you've given up on church, but not on God. And it really drew a lot of people who resonated with that. We can fail at church. We're human. We can make a mess of things. But we strive here to just know God and to experience God. I don't want a religious church. I want a right church. I want a fiery church. I told our team today, I don't want to be lukewarm. I'd rather be stone cold or hot and fired than lukewarm. I'm sick of that kind of a life. So when you're transformed, you do get to live the life that God has planned for you. You get to live in that place of the life you've always wanted. So let me get you a final key. Because when we try, when we fail, when we're discouraged, when we don't live the life that we want, there's something very important you need to understand. And that's this. Grace is the antidote for not measuring up. You might have felt condemned, judged by the enemy, by other people, but God's grace, it's one of the most beautiful things I can tell you about. God's grace. When I experience that grace, that is the life that I've always wanted. When I experience God's grace, when I know that I'm a disappointment, when I haven't measured up as a husband, when I've failed as a dad, when I've failed as a pastor, when all of these things that I've done don't measure up, there is a grace of God that comes into my life and says, I am sufficient for you. I love you no matter what. That's an amazing truth. So I'm going to finish here with a prayer. I believe today that God can transform your life. I believe today you can live the life you've always wanted, but it starts with that relationship and understanding of who God is, who you are, what he's made you to do on this earth, but it comes to this place of surrender and obedience. Will you do that? Can I pray for you in that today? I know you're maybe watching at home or someplace online, but I'd like to ask you to do something. I'd like you to close your eyes and I'd like you to hear the prayer that I'll pray for you today. Father, I've been where a lot of these people are. I've been where I lost hope. I've been where I had questions. I've been in that place and I've been where I've experienced the amazing goodness and life I've always wanted. And I've been at both places. And I know the way that I thought in that time of hopelessness. I know what I thought in that time of despair and I thought the wrong thought about you. You stayed with me. You stayed faithful. You forgave me. You loved me. For those struggling today, I pray that your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart. And I pray that they experience today your grace. And your grace is sufficient. And Lord, let them experience that today. And Lord, for those that are in that zone, they're living that life. I pray, Lord, that they come to you with their prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving and give you the glory and give you the praise because it's all you that have made that happen in their life. So Lord, thank you for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you soon. God bless.